0: Without further ado, here is your earnings call.
1: Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first quarter 2020 Apogee Enterprises, Inc. earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we'll conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the call, you may press star, then zero on your touchstone telephone. It is now my pleasure to turn the call over to Jeff Hibshin. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Apogee
2: Enterprises Fiscal 2020 First Quarter Earnings Call. With me today are Joe Pushes, Apogee's Chief Executive Officer, and Jim Porter, Chief Financial Officer. I'd like to remind everyone that there are slides to accompany today's remarks, which are available in the Investor Relations section of Apogee's website. During this call, we will reference certain non-GAAP financial measures. Definitions of these non-GAAP measures and a reconciliation to the nearest GAAP measures is provided in the earnings release we issued this morning, and that's also available on our website. Also, I'd like to remind everyone that our call will contain forward-looking statements reflecting management's expectations, which are based on currently available information. Actual results may differ materially. More information about factors that could affect Apogee's business and financial results can be found in our SEC filings. And with that, I'll turn the call over to you, Joe.
3: All right. Thanks, Jeff. Good
2: morning, everyone.
3: Thanks uh, for joining our call today. The first quarter was a solid start for our fiscal year. We hit on our commitments. The backlog is up. We're holding guidance, and we're progressing on strategic initiatives, while launching new ones, which we'll touch on today. And finally, we're pursuing cost recovery on the charges from the prior quarter. We still have a lot of work ahead of us, but our progress is excellent. This morning, I'd like to share some perspectives on what we are seeing in the end markets and discuss the highlights from the quarter and progress on some of our key strategic initiatives. And then, of course, I'll turn it over to Jim for more specific details on the quarter and our full year guidance. First, the economy and market conditions. Let me start with some observations about the economy and the end markets we play in. I continue to describe the overall market conditions in our sector as bumping along the top, a healthy environment in which Apogee can continue to grow. Underlying economic conditions remain stable. While economic growth has slowed a bit, the U.S. still averaged over 150,000 new jobs per month over the past quarter, and we continue to see employment gains in the office-occupying sectors, education, and healthcare, the most important market segments for Apogee. Looking specifically at commercial office market, Office vacancy rates are at decade-low levels, and rents are moving higher, both of which point to continued demand for new office construction. Demand for multifamily housing also remains strong, with new unit construction forecasted to remain at historically high levels in 2019. Additionally, the recent downward trend in interest rates should be supportive for new building products, projects, I'm sorry. Of course, there is some macro uncertainty and the market often overreacts to bad news, but overall, the economic situation is positive. We monitor the industry indicators like the Architectural Billing Index, the ABI as we call it, the Dodge Momentum Index, and new construction starts. While these indicators have fluctuated a bit in recent months, the long-term trends have been favorable. The ABI has been positive 19 of the last 20 months, 40 of the last 48, without the peaks and valleys. And this is key to sustainable growth in end markets and stability. It's been flattish in recent months, but we're okay with flattish. It's at stable, healthy levels today. New construction starts also remain at a healthy level. I'd like to revisit a point I made last quarter. While new construction has improved over a relatively long period of time, the pace of activity has fallen short of previous upcycles. And on a square foot basis, construction activity in the non-Resi sector still has a long way to go to reach prior peaks. And although the U.S. economic recovery is now approximately 10 years in the making, Commercial construction recovery is about half of that. Also, we're not seeing overbuilding or speculative building that might indicate top of market cycle. We continue to see a nice balance of new construction starts tied to tenant demand. The favorable economic and market environment is translating into solid demand for Apogee's products and services. We continue to build backlog especially in our architectural services segment. We booked several significant new projects during this past quarter. We're winning business across our geographic footprint, and we're winning business in all of our key market subsectors. Based on customer commitments and our sales pipeline, we could see further backlog growth for services in the second quarter, certainly depending on the timing of contracts. In our shorter lead time businesses, customer activity remains healthy. We have good sales pipeline and we're seeing solid quoting and bidding activity. So Overall, we believe the market backdrop supports top line growth for Apogee this year and into fiscal 21. Okay, let's turn to our highlights and strategic initiatives. Looking at the first quarter, I'll touch on a few key highlights. First, We made significant progress toward completing the legacy EFCO projects that we've been talking about in prior releases. The last remaining project proceeded as planned in the quarter, and we are now several steps closer to the finish line. On this last project, we are now more than 95% complete with manufacturing for the project, which is being led by EFCO. We are more than 70% complete with installation which is being managed by our architectural services team. We expect to be largely finished with this project by the time we report our second quarter results and with some limited activity continuing into the fourth quarter, typical of all commercial projects. We also continue to work on potential cost recoveries that could offset some portion of the charge we recorded last quarter. I'm also pleased with the operational progress we made at EFCO in the quarter. We're making headway on operational improvements and lean initiatives, which are driving steady increases in key quality and productivity metrics. Frankly, EFCO had an excellent quarter. In the second quarter, we expect to complete a facility upgrade project at EFCO, which will improve material flow out of our factory and allow further productivity inside the factory itself. This will positively impact results in the second half of the year. In addition, we continue to take steps to drive synergies in the framing system segment. Over the past several years, one of our strategic priorities has been diversifying Apogee's revenue base to unlock new growth and to make the company less dependent on the more cyclical large project segment of the non-resi construction market. Over five years ago, I set our growth strategy in motion around driving better than market growth in our framing systems businesses by way of new product introductions, new markets, and geographic expansion. And by focusing apogee acquisition efforts in this segment, our legacy businesses achieved amazing growth and bottom line results. And we... Exp- executed four acquisitions in this segment, including a very successful product line tuck-in. We focused on expanding framing systems segment, not at the expense of our other segments, but because framing systems had the biggest opportunity for long-term revenue growth and margin expansion. Framing operates in a more fragmented market with numerous opportunities for growth through share, geographic expansion, and new product innovation. The segment also offers substantial opportunity for margin expansion. We've executed our strategy through both organic growth and by making these key acquisitions to increase scale and add capabilities and framing. As we discussed on previous calls, we inherited some unexpected problems with the EFCO acquisition, which slowed our progress over the past two years. But we are putting these issues behind us now and we're turning our full attention to realizing the margin and growth opportunities in framing systems with synergy efforts in both the revenue and cost parts of the P&L. We'll be taking concrete steps to drive synergies and reduce costs over the next several quarters. This will include increased supply chain integration among several of the framing businesses, insourcing some materials we currently purchase outside, and other purchasing synergies. These actions will drive long-term benefits, but will carry some upfront costs, which will be likely incurred in the second quarter, and Jim will talk more about that in his guidance comments. In architectural glass, we had a very strong year-over-year sales growth and margin expansion. Over the past three quarters, the glass segment has averaged $100 million in revenue which reflects steady demand and improved throughput. The new architectural glass growth initiative that I highlighted last quarter is also progressing as expected, and we plan to begin operations in our fiscal third quarter. I mentioned the strong order flow we saw in architectural services, adding another $39 million to the segment's record backlog. As has been the case in the past several years, our services segment is focused on project selection, discipline pricing, and execution excellence at the job site. And this business continues to demonstrate amazing discipline and results. We're concentrating on those projects that best fit our capabilities and offer the best opportunity for solid profitability. And the entire services team is focused on execution excellence through all phases of a project's life cycle. Based on the schedules for projects and backlog, we continue to believe the services segment is well-positioned for revenue growth and even higher margins in fiscal 2021. And finally, our large-scale optical segment is a well-run gem of a business that continues to deliver strong performance led by an amazing leadership team with a strong leadership potential, uh, position. This segment always has quarter-to-quarter variability, but on an annualized basis, it generates consistent profitability and cash flow. Through the first quarter, the LSO segment is on track to meet our full-year growth plan and margin targets. So overall, a good start to the fiscal year. We feel confident about how we're positioned for the remainder of the year, And with that, I'll pass the call over to Jim, who will provide more details on the quarter and our outlook, and then I'll take questions from
4: you and wrap up with some final comments. Jim, you have the time. Thanks, Joe. Good morning, everyone. I'll begin with our consolidated results, which you can see on page five of our earnings presentation. Total revenue grew 6% to $355 million compared to $337 million in last year's first quarter, primarily driven by the significant growth in architectural glass. Operating margin of 6.5% was in line with last year, but down from adjusted operating margin of 7.4% in last year's first quarter. As a reminder, adjusted results in the first quarter of fiscal 2019 primarily excluded the amortization of short-lived acquired intangibles. These intangible assets have now been fully amortized, so there's no similar adjustment in the current fiscal year. EBITDA came in at $34.1 million compared to $35.5 million of adjusted EBITDA in last year's first quarter. Interest expense increased to $2.6 million from $1.8 million in last year's quarter on higher debt levels. And the tax rate of 24.4% was in line with our fiscal 2020 guidance of approximately 24.5%. Putting it all together, earnings per share were $0.58 compared to $0.54 in last year's first quarter, or $0.60 last year on an adjusted basis. Now we'll cover the segment results, which are on slide six. Framing systems revenue was $181 million, up slightly from last year's $179 million. Operating income was $12.3 million, with an operating margin of 6.8%, compared to 6.9% last year, and adjusted operating margin of 8.5% in last year's first quarter. The lower margin was primarily due to a less favorable project mix as we expected coming into the year, as well as some lower volume leverage in a couple of locations. Framing Systems backlog of $407 million held near historically high levels. The architectural glass segment had strong year over year improvements as the segment continued to progress past the workforce and productivity issues that impacted fiscal 2019 performance. Glass revenue grew 30% to $100 million driven by strong demand and improved throughput in our factories, as well as a weak prior year comparison. Operating margin improved to 6.4% compared to 2.1% in the first quarter of fiscal 2019, primarily driven by operating leverage on the increased volumes. Glass segment margins in the first quarter were negatively impacted by approximately 60 basis points from the early startup costs related to the new growth initiative as we begin to hire staff and incur facility expenses for the new operation. As we had expected, architectural services revenue decreased to $65 million from $71 million in last year's first quarter due to the timing of projects. Operating income was $4.6 million with operating margin of 7%, compared to $5.2 million and 7.3% in last year's first quarter. As Joe mentioned, services backlog increased to $483 million. The slide on page 7 illustrates the strong backlog growth the segment has achieved over the past few years. Given current project schedules established by our customers, we expect almost 40% of the services backlog Will be converted to revenue in the remainder of fiscal 20 with the balance in fiscal 2021 or 22. As Joe mentioned, at this point it looks like services is set up for another strong year in fiscal 21 and we continue to have a good pipeline of opportunities that could further increase backlog in the coming quarters. Large-scale optical segment results were in line with our expectations with revenue increasing 2% to $21 million, and segment operating margin of roughly 20%. First quarter margin in large scale optical was below last year's level, primarily driven by the timing of production schedules. In this small segment, it is typical to see operating margin bounce around quarter to quarter. We continue to expect full year operating margin in the 25% range that the large scale optical segment has achieved over the past several years. I'd also like to mention that, as anticipated, corporate expenses were higher in the quarter, due primarily to increased legal and advisory expenses compared to fiscal 2019. Now we'll cover cash flow and the balance sheet. Turning to slide eight, operating activities in the first quarter used $9.7 million of cash. Cash flow was negatively impacted by our normal seasonal working capital uses timing of incentive-based compensation and insurance-based payments primarily. Also, as we mentioned last quarter, progress on the legacy EFCO project continued to drive increased working capital, which caused a roughly $15 million drag on operating cash flow this quarter. Capital expenditures were $11 million, primarily driven by the investments for productivity in framing systems at EFCO and new capabilities in our architectural glass segment. Also during the quarter, we repurchased 532,000 shares of stock for $20 million, and we paid out $4.6 million of dividends. Total debt increased to $293 million for 1.8 times trailing 12-month adjusted EBITDA. Subsequent to the end of the first quarter, We successfully amended and extended our revolving credit facility, extending the maturity out to 2024, increasing our credit limit to $385 million from $335 million, and securing some favorable terms and conditions. The changes to our revolver give us increased financial flexibility and will also lower our borrowing costs. We expect cash flow to improve in the remainder of the fiscal year, but it will likely stay below last year's level primarily due to the increased working capital requirement until completion of the legacy EFCO project. As a reminder, we have continued efforts to recover some of the costs recorded in last quarter's charge. And any cost recoveries that we're able to secure will be favorable to the outlook for both cash and earnings. We continue to expect full-year capital expenditures of 60 to $65 million, and will look to deploy excess free cash flow to pay down debt. We will also continue to evaluate opportunistic share buybacks. Now we'll turn to our outlook, which is on page 9. We are maintaining the full-year guidance that we provided last quarter. Let me offer some additional details on the outlook. First, in framing systems. We expect revenue growth rates to improve in the second half of the year, driven by project timing as well as easier prior year comparisons. We continue to expect margin improvements will be weighted to the back half of the fiscal year as we transition through a less favorable mix and the initiatives we have underway across framing systems begin to drive positive contributions. The third quarter is traditionally the strongest quarter for framing systems which we expect to be the case this year. As we implement some new supply chain and purchasing synergy actions that Joe mentioned, we are expected to see some upfront costs, which will have a roughly 100 basis point headwind to framing system segment margins in the second quarter. This is expected to be offset by benefits in the second half of the fiscal year, starting in the third quarter. In architectural glass, we continue to expect full year revenue growth of approximately 10%. The first and second quarters will have the largest year over year growth rates due to the easier prior year comparisons. Also, we continue to expect approximately four to five million dollars of startup costs for the full year for the new architectural glass growth initiative, which will reduce full year glass margins by 100 to 150 basis points. I noted that we saw some initial impact in the first quarter. These startup costs will have the greatest impact in the second and third quarters, and we'll begin to generate limited revenue in the fourth quarter. We expect this new startup initiative will ramp quickly in fiscal 2021. In architectural services, we continue to expect a 15% decline in full year revenue compared to fiscal 2019 due to the timing of projects in the backlog. And as we discussed last quarter, this will have a significant impact on the operating leverage and margins compared to last year, as we cannot aggressively cut overhead costs that are needed to execute the segment's robust backlog and project pipeline in the future. Based on the current project schedules we have, we expect the second quarter will be the lowest revenue quarter and lowest revenue and margin quarter of the year for architectural services with performance gradually improving in the second half of the fiscal year. And finally, in large-scale optical, we continue to expect mid-single-digit full-year growth in operating margins of approximately 25%. With that, I'll turn the call back to Joe.
3: All right, thank you, Jim. Uh, To wrap up, this was a nice start to our fiscal year, and we're making good progress in a number of areas that should position us for further top-line growth improved margins, and stronger earnings and cash flow for the remainder of the year. Looking longer term, healthy market conditions, our backlog and our pipeline of operational improvement initiatives set us up for continued revenue growth and margin expansion in fiscal 21. I'd like to end where I started, and that being the end markets. There's a lot going on in the world, and there are many geopolitical worries today but there are many things going very well in our economy: unprecedented low unemployment, strong business confidence, still very low inflation and very favorable interest rates. There's a lot of things going right in our end markets. Uh, we feel good about it, but as you've heard today, we're putting a substantial laser focus on cost and cost actions at Apogee. So with that, um, I thank you for listening to me today, and I'd like to ask Andrew, our operator, to open the call up for questions.
1: Andrew? Certainly. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question at this time, please press star, then 1 on your touchtone telephone. Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then 1. And if your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. All right, our first question comes from the line of Chris
5: Moore with CJS Securities. Your line is now open. Thank you. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, Hey, Chris. Good morning. Uh, Maybe we could just start with framing. Obviously, most of the conversations is is around EFCO. Can we just maybe talk a little bit about the core framing business, how the margins are are looking there?
4: Sure, Chris. This is Jim. I'll talk about it. I mean, we continue to see, uh, you know, good performance across our framing systems businesses. And, uh, you know, we have some timing quarter to quarter, but overall, uh, you know, our core
5: businesses are continuing to perform well. And the maybe you could just repeat what you had said earlier. The 100 basis point impact in, in Q2 framing is is related to EFCO, or, or can you just go over so, that again quickly?
4: Yeah, no. So really, um, you know, what we're really trying to step up starting the second quarter, is a real increase in uh, some of our supply chain and purchasing opportunities across a number of our framing systems businesses, which is really looking at how we both um, optimize our supply chain from extrusion and finishing, uh, as well as do some insourcing. We've been, frankly, you know, through some of our productivity initiatives, we've Uh, uh, increase some capacity that's enabling us to do some insourcing where we've been purchasing some extrusion and finishing services on the outside, we'll be able to bring some of that in-house. As well as we're launching on an expanded effort to drive procurement savings really across the company which is concentrated within our framing system segment. So a lot of activity we've been working on a number of these initiatives, but we're really putting our foot on the gas in the second quarter to get these going. And there's just
5: some initial cost to get them in place. Got it. That, that's helpful. Um, and just in terms of the, the 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 glass market, can you talk maybe a little bit further about what you're seeing? You know, kind of large buildings versus midsize, and and you know where where the where the growth is coming from. What are, what are you seeing these days?
3: Yeah, this is Joe Chris. I'll I'll take this one uh, We're seeing consistent uh, end markets. Uh, the term I continue to use and uh, has been—I ta- stole from somebody many years ago. Uh, somebody stole it from me recently—is uh, that we're bumping along the top, and we're seeing um, good bidding and projects advancing in office, uh, healthcare, education. Um, I would say no one sector and multifamily housing, no one sec- subsector is really a standout uh, or a laggard. Uh, It's healthy, the the construction sites are full, so we we tend to have these ebbs and flows that are often driven by the perhaps oversubscription of work at the construction site. So you'll have a couple of quarters where maybe projects don't enter uh, the contract or the backlog um, as fast as you thought. But right now, I would say there's probably more work trying to manage the the schedules then there is a uh, concern about uh, the end markets. So it, it's, it's consistent across the sub segments, frankly,
5: Got and it. across the U S. Helpful. Uh, last question just in terms of the, the new glass initiative initiative, anything else that you can say on that at this point?
3: No, I, I not really. And I'm sorry for that. Uh, you know, we've just stuck to the financial impact for now. The project is progressing. Uh, I expect revenues to begin. Will be certainly begin in the second half of the year. Um, the uh, I think by the time we report on our second quarter earnings, uh, we will actually be in production, and we'll probably be able to talk about it a little bit more in ninety days. But nothing is. Uh, everything has progressed as. Uh, according to our plan, uh, when we announced it to you all 90 days or whatever it was, 65 days ago.
5: All right, appreciate it. Let me jump back in line, guys.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thank you. And
5: our next question comes from the line
1: of Eric Stein with Craig Hallam. Your line is now open.
6: Good morning, everyone. Hi, right. Eric. Um, I just want to start with glass. Obviously, a very good quarter. Um, I mean, is this something where we should view a lot of the the, the hiring challenges and some of the the operational things uh, as being in the past? That that you know you've turned the corner there, or are there still some things in 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 progress? And if there are, maybe an update on where all of that stands.
3: Yeah. Thanks, it, it, Eric. It's a it's an ongoing process. We have definitely made good progress. We have enough people in place to run the business effectively. Uh, we'd like to add more. Uh, we could remove some overtime and improve our margins a little bit. The issue we had you know, a year ago was uh, we just couldn't keep up with production demand. Uh, now we're able to keep up with demand. Uh, still a little bit of cost opportunity. The labor markets remain tight. It's a challenge to hire new people, and particularly in the, in the region where they're our largest factory is, but we we have the people to get the production out we have a little more opportunity and they continue to make progress every quarter um, and uh, the first quarter was a bit of a, a transition you know we we don't hear us complaining about weather again, but it was a challenging weather environment even in our fiscal first quarter here remember our year started in March, March and April were brutal out here so mm-hmm. Throughout the quarter, we improved uh, productivity at our glass business. May was the best month of the quarter, and we've come out strong in June operationally. So, again, I'll end where I started. It's an ongoing process. We've got enough people. We'd like to have a few more, and we continue to do some creative things to find talent.
6: Got it. Okay. That is helpful. Um, and maybe just to follow up on the previous question, and I mean, I'm not going to ask details, necessarily about the new uh glass initiative but uh, i mean any any way you could maybe frame uh, you know in fiscal 21 you expect that to i believe jim said a contributor and potentially a significant contributor um you know so any way you can kind of frame the magnitude of that um, from a high level and then you know is there anything different about that initiative that would change kind of your long-term operating margin outlook for that segment, uh, you know, which I know you shoot for 10% plus.
3: Yeah. Eric, you know, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll have to be a little bit careful. I, I don't want to start providing guidance for fiscal 21. Jim and I will be doing that, obviously, okay. at some point in uh, later in this fiscal year. Um, this project certainly bodes well for helping us with revenue at, I think margins, directionally similar to the, the potential of, the, of that business today, um, it gives us good leveraging on our fixed. It helps us uh, someday when perhaps there are headwinds in the end markets. Uh, we'll be happy that we've made this investment. Um, it will contribute to upside in fiscal 21, and we'll just have to hold off until we provide uh, segment guidance later this year.
6: Okay, got it. Thanks a lot.
3: Yep. Good to try,
1: though, Eric. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. And our next well. question comes from the line of Brent Thielman with DA Davidson. Your line is now open.
7: Thanks. Good morning. morning, morning. Brent. Hey, Jim, do you um, have what the uh, impact of the startup costs were for this first quarter? I'm, I'm yeah, it was
4: uh, – yeah, so in architectural
7: glass, it was about 60 basis points of impact. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the puts and takes through the year. I know you're going to have kind of more amplified impact here in the 2Q, 3Q. Should that be offset by better productivity, um, just given all the other things you guys have talked about, such that maybe we see sort of stable margins here over the next couple quarters and that picks up in 4Q? Is that the way to think about it?
4: Uh, No, I mean, it'll still be a bit dilutive in Q2 and Q3. You know, those are going to be, you know, much heavier in terms of the impact. there will be over 100 basis points impact in each of those quarters for this segment.
3: But the core
4: business itself, Brent, as I mentioned in the prior
3: question that Eric asked, um, you know, the glass business, the momentum on its productivity and its traditional business, you know, we – we expect continued productivity improvements that's in our guidance for the year. Um, but the, the project you're asking about will be cost headwinds for a couple more quarters.
7: Got it. Okay. Um, and then on the, the services business, obviously, you know, very robust environment, maybe you could talk a little bit just about the, you know, the terms, maybe the evolution in terms you're seeing on some of these new contracts you're signing. Is it, um, a relatively tight market out there
3: um no no changes in t's and terms and conditions on the projects we're working on i mentioned i'm most proud of that business for their disciplined approach to project uh selection and then project execution uh you know it's uh it's all about getting your uh estimates right i think we're the best in the industry frankly uh and uh you have to have and then of course we have to execute at the job site where we're doing the fab assembly glaze in our factories and at the construction site itself. Uh, nothing changing, I would say on the in the contract world and the bidding there's healthy competition out there. We've got great competitors, but uh i we're a great competitor as well, and i I think we're winning our share more than our fair share of projects. you know it's a very, very fragmented market uh this is a great business for us. Um, we're one of the bigger players, and we have a fraction of the end market. So there's a lot of work to select and compete against, and I think we're seeing consistent bids on margins and terms. So, sorry, nothing exciting, changing on, on that. <laughs>
7: That's okay. Um, maybe last question. You talked a little bit about it, Joe. I, don't, I know you don't like to. Blame weather, but you know, obviously, there's been some pretty um, uh, tremendous things happening out in the Midwest. Is that you know continue Is that having a material impact on the business or at least the customer base that you serve out there? Maybe if you just talk about that. Uh, nothing
3: to call out, uh, Brent. Uh, I, we, you know, we feel it's terrible for the people that are impacted. Our facilities have not been impacted, and you know, when you picture the kind of work we're doing. You know, we're not there's not buildings going up where we're seeing some of the devastation due to this really bizarre weather pattern hitting parts of the US. So as unfortunate as it is, we've been fortunate it has not really impacted our, our company.
4: Yeah, in our in our <clears throat> smaller projects, framing system segment, you know, as I think everyone's aware, rain has just been a really significant issue and
0: it's not it's not enough for
4: us to call off, but you know, it, it's probably affected the timeline of certain projects where construction activity gets delayed and moved out a little bit, particularly in our smaller projects business. But none Yeah, them.
3: what I called out was that, you know, kind of the, the severe winter weather kind of continued to, you know, provide challenges for our productivity recovery at our glass business, Firecon, um, a little bit. Uh, again, not calling it out, but it it's certainly uh, – glad that winter's behind us on, on – uh, So our glass momentum is picking up again.
7: Okay. Great. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brent. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of John Bratz with Kansas City Capital. Your line is now open.
2: Good morning, Joe, Jim.
1: Hey, John.
2: Joe, um, as the problems at, at EFCO become more of an item of the past, how would you view the opportunity, the potential at EFCO, Relative today, relative to your expectations originally uh, when you acquired it, and and what about the timeline of realizing that 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 potential? Can you talk a little bit about? Yeah, that? we uh, yeah, sure,
3: John. Thanks. Yeah, I the potential for that business is amazing. Uh, it's very. It looks very much like what we have often called our legacy, the three businesses in this segment that existed when I arrived here. Um, They do the same finishing, extrusion, window and wall production and sales, similar end markets, uh, a little more diverse customer base, which we like. We stated this would be a double-digit operating margin business. Um, Our starting point was uh, lower than we thought when we did the acquisition. Uh, As we said, we're getting uh, the problem projects out from under. Apogee has been a tremendous help go for that. They'd be the first to admit it. We put some new people in place, both uh, at the top in operations, in sales. We've got a great core team that had great experience in engineering and estimating. So uh, that business is now on its way to that double digit. I I would say over the next three years, uh, I certainly expect to break that uh, barrier, and I'm looking for a few hundred basis points of margin expansion every year from that business. Uh, Q1 was, as I mentioned, uh, they had an excellent quarter. Uh, you know, frankly, uh, I was very happy with the business performance. I told the team that as they got out from under a couple of these really problem products that were, you know, booked just about the time of uh, prior to acquisition, that that they would see amazing momentum, and they're seeing it. And and as I mentioned, we're that business which has been. You know, we took the project management and installation away from them, uh, on these, on these particular projects we've called out. Turn that over to our experts and the services. They've focused on manufacturing quality units, which they've done. They're almost done. And uh, now their full attention is working on productivity. I mentioned a, a nice project we, uh, approved a year ago. Uh, this, uh, tomorrow we actually start to, uh, put into live operation this, uh, this improvement in our, uh, you know, the back end of manufacturing for primarily uh, our, our shipping automation. So that business will continue to drive momentum. I, my goal is to get that above uh, 10% over a three-year horizon. My, my starting point just got pushed back a year or two from my original expectations. It's a, it's a gem of a business and fits nicely with the rest of our framing system segment.
4: John, it's Jim. I just want to emphasize uh, Joe's point because I think your question was spot on. You know, we've been talking about the benefits that we see of getting this legacy project behind us, and I think, you know, a little bit in the fourth quarter, and as we talked about in the first quarter, I think getting that largely behind us has really allowed us to have the visibility of the uh, momentum of the productivity improvements that we've been working on.
2: Okay. Joe, uh, Jim, I think you, I know, I know you mentioned that you, I think you're putting another $10 million, I think it was $10 million in, into EFCO. Uh, to get to that double digit, will it require additional investment, the uh, um, capital investment, do you think?
3: Nothing, so, no, we, this, this was a, this was a big investment we identified when, before we even bought the company. Uh, frankly, the business had identified it. This was important, uh, The prior owners were not going to make that investment. We've made it. Going forward, um, you know, traditional tooling, perhaps some CNC investment, everything that would normally fall into our uh, operate, maintain, and productivity projects, nothing that I would call out as a substantial investment like this one.
4: Yeah, and any any large investments that we would see, I would anticipate them to be driven by productivity uh, that would pay for
1: themselves. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, John, thanks. Appreciate the questions. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Julio Romero with Sedotian & Company. Your line is now open.
8: Hi, good morning. Good morning. Julio, how are you doing? Very good. Um, can I ask about the, the increased focus you're putting on procurement in the framing business? Um, maybe if you can just talk about what kind of margin opportunity you see there, and if um, there are any similar opportunities across any of your other businesses?
4: this is Jim. I'll, I'll address that. So first of all, you know when we excuse me when we acquired Apco, yeah, you know, one of the low hanging fruit opportunities we saw was specific to the Apco business and leveraging similar vendors and and uh, purchases and those types of things with that business, which we went after up front. What we're doing now is redirecting and taking a broader look at the entire framing system segment as well as across Apogee, and, and, and frankly, we've engaged some outside resources to really accelerate and drive focus on this effort uh, that we think is going to uh, really help us. And, and we're looking at everything. We're looking at direct materials, indirect uh, materials, and uh, kind of all categories of spend. Um, really just uh, launching this more focused initiative. and. It's too early now to um, really call out what we think the margin impact is, but we think there's a lot of opportunity for us as we really take a more holistic focus on driving material synergy benefits across our supply chain.
8: Okay, that's helpful. And, um, you know, since you mentioned you do expect improved revenue and margins in the services business um, in, in fiscal 21, um, can you give us any any Color on, maybe, uh, you know, what the margin profile for the for the work there looks like for 2021, and if the project schedules can point to maybe cadence of earnings in that segment.
3: Well, yeah, well, let me take it first, and Jim can pile on. I again, I'll repeat: we're not providing guidance for fiscal 21 today. Uh, the backlog for this business kind of speaks for itself. We, you know, we certainly call out the backlog in our queue which goes out, I think, next week. Uh, it, it is uh, $39 million higher than it was at the last earnings release. That was a record. I mentioned in the call today, you know, I choose my words carefully because I can't guarantee a backlog increase in Q2. But uh, if orders uh, go into contract, as I expect, we will have increase in backlog in the second quarter. But, uh, you know, I always hedge my bet on that. But it's the work in that business is strong, so it's mostly – I don't think there's a, tr- a significant movement in margins. It's good business. It's business that we believe we can execute well, and it'll be uh, primarily driven by uh, volume leveraging next year. But as far as year-over-year revenue growth guidance, we're not we're not prepared to do that today.
4: Yeah, Julio, what what we've commented on is again based on the visibility of the work that we have. You know, with all the caveats over, it all depends on what the timing of the actual flow is and the actual project execution. But from what we see today, you know, we have visibility that fiscal 21 has the potential to perform similar to fiscal 19 for the architectural services segment.
3: Yeah, and because it's such a a, a big business for us that provides lumpiness, you know, I wish I, as a public company, I wish I could report that business on a two-year on a two-year basis. Um, it it you know, we had a an amazing fiscal nineteen, a record year across every metric, and yet our backlog today is stronger than it was at this time preceding that record year. Uh, okay, so you get frustrated. Well why can't F twenty be another record? It's the it's just the timing of the way projects book. We're in the construction world. Um, and I ask uh uh, you know, you to have a two-year look at it as well. Uh, it, it is performing well and we'll have a, a very, very sound fiscal 21 uh, based on our cur- current backlog and view of the work we're, we're continuing to put in the backlog. Okay. That's helpful.
8: and I, I, I certainly appreciate the color there. Um, just last one for me is, is you amended the credit facility. gives you some better flexibility and um, you also repurchased some shares, which is certainly encouraging. Can you just kind of outline what you see your capital allocation priorities are going forward? Thank you.
4: Sure. I mean, you know, our our first priority is, uh, you know, continuing to look at attractive investments uh, back in the business from a capital perspective. Uh, You know, our dividend remains important. Uh, You know, I think, uh, you know, we're looking uh, at using excess free cash flow to pay down debt, though we will continue to evaluate share repurchases. Uh, you know, M&A is still really back burner for us as we are really focused on driving the margin improvements in our business.
8: Helpful. Thanks very much, and uh, good luck in the rest of the fiscal year. Thanks,
1: Julio. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Bill Desalem with Titan Capital. Your line is now open.
9: Thank you I actually would like to uh, follow up on that last question uh, to start with the uh, increased credit facility is this solely for flexibility of of running the business from a working capital perspective or do you have additional initiatives not m and a but whether it be something like uh, what you're doing with framing or something like glass initiative uh, that you are giving yourself Extra flexibility for that. You already have some visibility that that you're going to be putting these initiatives in place. Could you talk to that, please, let,
3: let, Bill. Let me give it a macro, and then Jim will give you the detail. Up clearly, it is not uh, to support MA, as Jim said. That's obviously, and I'll repeat, it's a certainly a back burner for us. Uh, you know, it's it was a good time to lock in with favorable terms uh, and reset the clock for five years. Uh, who knows what will happen in the end markets. We're in a strong position to get these terms, uh, it, but uh, it wasn't for any specific need. Jim?
4: Yeah, so I'll just expand I mean, it really is uh, all driven by increased uh, flexibility, um, you know, driven by working capital and CapEx. But then, in addition, uh, in terms of, it's got some differences in the structure, Bill, that actually allow us, over the term of this revolver, to adjust the sizing of it, too. And you know, with the expectation of our good cash flow generation over, uh, you know, the next years, you even have uh, increased flexibility relative to managing that commitment level.
9: Great. Thank you. And then I would like to shift to the uh, framing initiative uh, on the supply chain front that you have. So I understand that it's in uh, what you're doing is to improve margins longer term. I don't understand why uh, you're having the, impact, the negative impact on margins here in the second quarter. Would you talk about kind of the, the, the business activity that's leading to uh, that's leading to those headwinds in, in Q2.
4: Sure, Bill. Uh, this is Jim, and I'm not going to go into too many details here. But it's really you know two things. One is. Uh, I mentioned that we're, uh, you know, we're going to use some outside resources to help accelerate our focus on some purchasing initiatives, and so there's going to be a little bit of upfront costs associated with that. And then as we look at rebalancing some of the operational activities, there's just really normal expenses associated with some of those uh, activities within our businesses to be prepared for us.
9: Okay, that sounds like one I'll take off uh, offline to un- understand better. And, and then my final question as we look out to next year, and I recognize you don't want to provide guidance, uh, however, I just like, would like to think about uh, uh, fiscal 21 conceptually. You've talked about the service business having higher revenues and profitability next year. The framing uh, business uh, will no longer have the bad EFCO uh, projects since they will be complete, which which will then give them an opportunity to, uh, to shine and, and uh, show a reverse right some above uh, above trend uh, revenue growth and the new glass initiative uh, will also do above uh, above trend revenue growth so if we put all that together that implies that next year we should be uh, setting ourselves up for uh, something that is an above average level of of earnings growth beyond what one would normally expect. Is there something that I'm missing with this thought process?
3: I do not believe you're missing anything with your thought process. We, uh, Our larger project business is where we kind of have better visibility for revenue, meaning, you know, working on a large project today that will revenue next year. Services obviously will be a strong year, um, glass, we, you know, what we see, feel we feel that'll be a solid improvement, um, especially with the initiative we have. Framing systems, mm, a mix of shorter lead time. You know, our focus there is cost, productivity, uh, and our large-scale optical business, I think, will continue to perform. It's small. It'll continue to, to give us the uh, cash and working capital help that it does. So. You know, Bill, I, I don't think you said anything that uh, I would take uh, take issue with.
9: Great. Thank you both.
1: Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Look forward to follow-up. And I'm showing no further questions at this time. So with that, I'll turn the call back over to Joe Pushes for closing remarks. All right, Andrew,
3: thank you. All right, thanks again, everybody, for joining us today. Certainly, I appreciate your interest in my company, and I look forward to updating you on our second quarter performance and results in September, and uh, have a great day, everybody. Take care. Thank you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for participating in today's conference. This does conclude the program, and you may all disconnect. Everyone, have a wonderful day.